0: Welcome to the Talent Talk with Robert Walters podcast where we speak to business leaders around the globe to bring you the latest trends and insights from the world of work.
1: Welcome to another episode of Act Like a Startup and Win the War of Talent, Uh, another episode in our podcast series. My name is Richard Townsend, I'm the Country Manager for Robert Walters Brazil, and today I'm delighted to have with me Danny Benacci, Co-Founder and CTO of Pismo. We are absolutely honored to have you here with us today. Welcome, Danny.
0: Hi, Richard. Thank you so much again for having me.
1: No problem. Great to see you. Today, as as with all of the episodes in our podcast, we're going to be exploring a little bit about the the war for talent uh, and particularly how PISMO is is, is structuring itself to be able to attract and retain the best talent. But Danny, before we go into things in more detail, why don't you tell us a little bit about PISMO and the, the fantastic journey that you've been on in the last four or five years?
0: Yeah, Sure. Pismo, yeah, it's a very, very young company. We started operating by the end of uh, 2016, but it's a very interesting story because me and my three founding partners we've been working together for more than 20 years already. So we, I used to say that we we are a group that had the privilege of like launching a payments and bank infrastructure from scratch twice. And the second time we are just bringing. And starting from our previous experience, so it's been a great journey so far. We are really, really convinced about what we are doing here, and we want to be the next infrastructure for payments and banking in the world.
1: And for our listeners that don't know much about what you can offer specifically within bank, uh, banking and and payments, can you tell us a little bit more about what the business offers? Sure,
0: we are a backend platform for payments and banking, which means that we provide services for banks and fintechs and other financial institutions uh, all over the world so they can build their digital products on top of our platform. So we are kind of infrastructure for payments and banking and Mm -hmm. so fintechs incumbents and other players can just launch the, the products for their customers on top of our platform.
1: Great. And for all of our international listeners, I think it's really interesting to point out that we are doing this podcast today from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Sao Paulo is recognized as one of the major hubs, certainly within Latin America and across the Americas, for uh, fintechs and and startups as a whole. How have you found this environment uh, here in Sao Paulo, Danny?
0: Yeah, it was, this was really important for us actually, because at the prior experience, we had relationships only with private equity funds. It was a very traditional company founded back in 1999. So by the time we decided to launch Pismo, there was like strong hubs here, Kubo, like which is a joint, a JV between Itaú and Redpoint Ventures, actually Redpoint Ventures here in Brazil was the, our, first invest, our first investor, so, the whole ecosystem that brings together entrepreneurs with like established companies and this space was was very important for us to to, to launch the company and to to navigate investments.
1: Excellent. And how many people do you have in the business now?
0: Yeah, it was an amazing journey, an amazing story. As I said, we, found, we started operating early 2017. And back mm-hmm. to March 2020, when the pandemic started, we were a 40-people company. And mm-hmm. now we are 240. I think we hired kind of almost 20, almost sorry, almost sorry, 200 people during the pandemic, under the umbrella of the global pandemic. So it was wow. like a very tough challenge. Not only we hired people here in Brazil, but established an office in Bristol, UK, another one in the Austin United States. And we'll be setting up sooner another one in Singapore.
1: I, I grew up about 30 minutes away from Bristol, so I'm delighted to hear that you're, you're setting up an office there as well. Really? Yeah,
0: great. <laughs> I'm looking I'm, forward I'm, to, 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 to see, to, to meet the people and to know, <laughs> see the office.
1: It's a fantastic city. You'll, you'll, you'll definitely enjoy it. And I'd love to hear these these positive stories at any time, um, but particularly within the, the, the backdrop of the pandemic, it's fantastic to see this kind of growth. And just my last question before we start to explore our topic in more detail. Do you guys still consider yourselves as a startup or do you believe you've now moved on to the next stage?
0: We, we like to, we are all the time trying to keep the spirit of the startup, if I can say that, mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. the way of like every everybody working, uh, looking to solve problems to 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 provide a good service to our clients everybody working together and so we try to keep the spirit but of course we are now more than 200 people we are kind of starting going to a more mature uh, period so we are navigating ways and we are all the time thinking about the design of the organization in a way that we can keep the spirit keep the 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 velocity and the speed of the startup, even with a more established company. Yeah, I think we are in a transition process, uh, if I may say.
1: Fantastic. And that, that brings us really nicely onto the central theme of today's conversation, which is the, the challenging environment within a startup or, or hyper growth company. And why, in, in your opinion, are startups considered a more challenging environment than a, a more established company?
0: Yeah, like running any company comes with a, like, a lot of challenges, but startups have, have a very unique set of obstacles to, to, to go along. And it all mm-hmm. starts by the time that you are deciding to launch the company. So but when we launched the company, the four of us, we were in our late 30s, early 40s. We were executives in the prior company. So all of us were married, we have kids. And so... Uh, at, at the very beginning there's a challenge about the career how much mm-hmm. are you willing to invest your time and the money like the, you conquered during do, during your career in a project like this so once you decided so there are and I think the most interesting challenge that is that we are all the time changing hats along the way so first of all there's a, the, like the career challenge and then the, you decide about the business model you think about what kind of services you'll be providing and how you do that. And then you come up with the company and you have at the same time, established and build an MVP, a minimum viable product to try to mm-hmm. navigate investments. You have limited resources. It's difficult to hire and to attract people because uh, people are uh, uh, all the time asking, how much money do you have to pay me? Is this going to be easy company? Yeah. Will, will, will be surviving or not? So there are, Many challenges, and, and I used to say that the feeling is that one year that you spend in a startup is like if you spend like 10 years in a traditional company, especially because the challenges are very different, like kind of every day. Every day, we are, as I said, changing heads, so you are not getting investments, building, hiring, and then you go for us was really interesting because after we, we went through this phase, we were we in the growth mode under the umbrella of a global pandemic, so uh, Back to March, 2020, when we were 40 people, we were a a structure like the founders and engineers. And Mm -hmm. then not only we had to hire uh, more than 200 people, but also uh, establish very central function areas, such as HR team, marketing, finances, sales. So we were not only hiring people, but also uh, designing the organization and onboarding people who are in a 100% remote. like, each day was a different challenge. And now, although we are still working on 100% remote, everybody's working from home, we have people spread all over Brazil and now all over the world, but we are going to a post-pandemic material, which is, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's a great opportunity because uh, we used to say that the digital transformation advanced at 10 years in less than two because like uh, the pandemic opened uh, like a window of opportunity for companies like us because not only uh, the consumer behavior changes, people are looking to different kinds and different ways of buying and paying. Incumbents are looking for more flexible solutions and many new companies are like are born during the period. So, uh, and now we have the challenges Of not only establishing the company, but spreading the culture, especially because we're expanding the business to markets where our brand is not yet well known. There are language barriers, there are culture barriers. So each day is a different challenge. And as I said, we are every day changing heads.
1: It's really interesting. You've spoken about a variety of challenges, whether that be culture, opening in new markets, adapting to to new customers. And you've done all of this, this hyper growth in the last two years, which has been a challenging two years for everyone globally. Now, I imagine during this time, you've developed a lot of resilience. How do you... Help your team to be resilient and to overcome these, these challenges what, what do you think is the best way to do this?
0: Yeah, we, I really believe that it all starts with culture and values. We have a, we try to promote very strong culture. Uh, uh, one of our main values is, that is what we call total trust, because mm-hmm. Tells the kind of relationship that we want to have, not only with our clients, but also with our employees. We are a very human company. And this is where this was a decision that we made when we decided to launch the company, especially because some things that happened in my personal life before launching the company. So I had many challenges in another company where there was a very toxic culture. I faced the challenges being a woman leading a technology like Mm -hmm. 100 people in a technology team I had two daughters during the process I struggled at some point with some mental health problems and it was very very tough for me to navigate all those personal challenges in a toxic culture so we decided that we would build a people first strong foundation and it all starts with uh, actually with the relationship that the founders have. So we are four people, me, Marcelo is my husband, Julie is my sister and Ricardo, we've worked together for more than 20 years. So it, 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 we are like siblings. So we have this, this, this relationship between us. We know each other like inside out. We have, we share the same values and this was really important for us to establish and spread this culture of a very human company. So it starts with that. And then we have to hire and keep a very strong leadership to support people and to implement those values, especially now that we are expanding. This is something that we are worried Mm -hmm. all the time and trying to bring everybody at the same page. And actually it was a challenge during the pandemic because we had the opportunity to put those values in practice. Like people were struggling with COVID, like many employees yep. were infected, but most some of them lost their relatives and like lost their fathers, their mothers. And so it, it was a moment when we could establish a very strong HR team to support those people and those families. We came up with benefits like uh, mindfulness training, mm-hmm. yoga mm-hmm. classes, exercises, med- drug meditations, and focusing on the mental and physical health of the, employee, the employees. So I think being a human centric company, it's the main foundation to to keep the team, uh, make them resilient in difficult times like this. And what what is interesting is that this can, all those initiatives and also other ones like helping people how to organize during the day, people were like struggling with so fatigue, many meetings. So we tried to like train the people, establish communication, communication channels to guarantee that people were like getting the best of the time that they were working. And Mm -hmm. what is interesting is that all of this, it was difficult because it was all compressed like a few months during like at the beginning of the pandemic, but it just became for us business as usual. This is the way that we work now. So I think this foundation is really important.
1: So that was, that was fantastic, Danny. From, from everything that you've just said there, I've got two follow-up questions. My first is that you mentioned that uh, most of the founders, and some of them being direct family members, have a background in a corporate environment. And I'd like to know whether you think having this background in a corporate environment is a benefit to starting a startup, or, uh, or, or is it no benefit at all?
0: Yeah, good question. I, I think it is a benefit because when you when you have the, uh, the prior experience in a corporate world, you, you 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 can be in touch with topics that are not limited to your function. So if you have mm-hmm. when you have a young engineer who is a very excellent engineer and decide to launch a company, of course they will be excellent in what they know how to do, but they they don't have the prior experience in navigating. Topics like investment, sales and managing a company, like managing a team. Most of them are not managers yet, which doesn't mean that they cannot launch a company because mm-hmm. one of the most important things that I, 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 I learned during the period that I was working for Pismo is that you have to, it's very important for you to know what you do best, what you are willing to do and how you can design the company in the structure, bringing strengths on things that you are not good at. So it's okay. And it's difficult when you limit your view to an organization design in a way that you have, you must have a manager, a tech league or things like this. It's more important to bring people who are good and who know their strengths and you put everybody to play together. So I think it helps, but which which doesn't mean that if you don't have this experience, like you cannot launch a startup.
1: Good. My, my second question uh, from everything you've just said is you mentioned some of the personal challenges that you've overcome uh, with, within your career and your background and, and some of the toxic culture. And that made me think about something which I discovered when I was, I was looking into the cultural values of Pismo, of, of And that's the fact that you accept failure. Um, your, 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 your challenges are not... in in your career and not a failure, but it's something you've had to overcome. And of course, when you fail, you have to overcome that as well. How do you drive this culture on a day-to-day basis of accepting failure?
0: Yeah, it's something that it was not easy. It's easier easier said than done, because people are, especially because of their prior experience, sometimes they are afraid of like, like, being open about mistakes or things like this. But I think that it's all in the foundation of the culture in the way that we, the founders, react when people like, make some failures or things like this. But this is really important. And what I used to say to the team is that we are a very innovative company. We are mm-hmm. working with cutting edge technology. We are doing the business in a way that, That it's different from our competitors, so of course we have to be willing to make mistakes. Otherwise, you cannot Mm -hmm. innovate. You cannot disrupt the space as we are willing to do. But we cannot make the same mistake twice. So we work based on a there's a framework from Google on the SRE teams talking about blameless culture. When you Mm -hmm. have like some of rituals after you have an incident or things like this, you are working like rolling back this story and like putting the facts on the paper and thinking what you would make differently to avoid that that mistake happens again. So this is something that we practice like on a daily basis. So we are willing, we know that we'll make mistakes. We can make mistakes every day. Of course, we have to be diligent and responsible because we are working with, we are now processing more than 25 million accounts for huge banks all over the, the world. So it's a oh. huge responsibility to manage people's money. We, we must be diligent and careful about what we are doing, but we know that we will make mistakes, but we have to guarantee that that mistake won't happen happen again. We'll make another ones, but they will be different from the, the, the previous.
1: Great. Now, at the beginning of this you when you spoke about founding Pismo, you spoke about asking yourself the question, how much are you willing to invest, whether that be time or money? Now, when you're attracting talent, you're not going to be asking them to invest money in the business, but you're certainly asking them to invest time. So how do you change this or transform this challenge that you have into engaging people and encouraging them to invest their time in Pismo and grow with you?
0: Yeah, this is it's a, it's a good question because it's very difficult at the very beginning. And, and as I said, the fact that not only we had prior experience in the industry, but we really know what we are doing. But most mm-hmm. of the times I use it, this family foundation to make people believe that this was a big dream and that we were willing to make it happen. Because when I said we were executives in a corporate in a corporate world and me and Marcelo, we are married, we have two daughters and we, we are all in this project. We are 100% investing our times in the money that we, like in the, the, previous, the previous job here
1: mm-hmm. because
0: we really, we really, really believe that we are gonna be the next generation for infrastructure in, pay- in payments and banking in the world. So not only this is a bold statement when you like mm-hmm. show that you are all in, but also the fact that we are a very young company, we are using like cutting edge technology, we are experimenting, we are using the technology that the best technology companies in the world are using. We compare ourselves to Facebook, to Netflix, to, to, to companies like this. So this is an interesting uh, challenge for people to join us and to spend their time with us because even if everything goes wrong, uh, what I used to say is that they would have enough time to learn more about technology and to and that experience would be good for them professionally here at Bismol or in any other company.
1: And would you say that your ability to get uh, potential employees to believe in your vision is your main strategy to retain your talent or do you have other aspects as well?
0: I think that this is the first one, like Mm -hmm. making this strong statement, talking about the prior experience and the technology, the space, because like I think everybody, 80% of the financial transactions in the world are processed by systems developed sixty years ago, so that that's why we have so many limitations. And this is something that most of us already face it on a daily basis, like the difficulties by managing our money, talking to the bank, and things like this. So when you look at this space, it's a very interesting challenge. So people are interested in working on that, but mm-hmm. once they are once they are onboarded. I think the other aspects of focusing on a human being, being a people first company, having supporting people and making them feel like they don't have to to take an arm or to go to work that they can talk about personal challenges even if it, even if they are not physical mental problems or even relationship problems, they are open there's a transparency and open conversation. I think this is the the second way of making them stay with us, even in difficult times.
1: Excellent. Now, Danny, we're coming towards the end of of today's podcast, but I just want to to kind of go back to the the central question now. Our theme of this podcast series is is perhaps offering advice to uh, people working in a larger business, and it's to act like a startup and win the war for talent. So from your experience, having worked in uh, large corporate environment, and now in a, in a startup business, what would be your one piece of advice you would pass to people working in, inside a larger company?
0: Yeah, I think that establishing a culture of startups are well-known for having a culture of innovation. When it, And it's a different approach. Yeah. When you go to like traditional companies, you have more kind of the way of working is more clients ask you to do something and then you like, it's difficult to manage so many communication channels, so many links inside the organization. This is something that it takes time and it's difficult for people to see and to realize what kind of thing they are building. And so many traditional companies decide to come with an innovation department, just to mm-hmm. have a department who's acting like a startup. And this is something that I think it doesn't work because it starts having problems managing the traditional teams with this one and innovation and acting like a startup it's something that it comes from the executive team so the company and the leaders must be willing to work in a way to like to face risks to make mistakes and when you it's difficult because when you are you have a very established company it's difficult to invest time and money in experimentation and things like this but mm-hmm. putting mm-hmm. a department aside i don't think it's the way of doing that so i think this is something that it's much more cultural than uh, specific to a people or department it's something that you have to build from from the leadership rolling out to the the rest of the company we we, we provide services to to banks here to a fortune 500 bank to like like huge corporations and this is something that we we'll have been watching and when the leadership change the way that they are looking to the team and looking to the way of that they have to work is something that just like changed the game
1: so it almost sounds like you're saying it needs to be a holistic approach and needs to be incorporated in every aspect of the business rather than just having a specific innovation department and only that department is going to think like a, a startup.
0: Exactly. It must be on the DNA of the company. Everybody must be willing to make it happen, make mistakes and go through over the obstacles too, just to, to make things differently.
1: Fantastic. Danny. that's a great place to, to finish today's uh, conversation. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Uh, Really interesting to hear your thoughts. I wish you all the best and future success at BISMO. In in my opinion, what you guys have achieved so far is incredible. uh, And I believe there's a lot more to come.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks so much for the conversation. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Excellent. Thank you very much. And to all of our listeners that are listening, thank you very much for your time. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, And please uh, stay tuned and look forward to the next episode of our podcast.